Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. and welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Generation Ag. Yesterday was Mother's Day and so I would just like to take a quick second to wish all of the mums who listen to our podcast a very happy belated Mother's Day and especially to the two most important listeners of our podcast, Vinny's mum Dimity and my mum Selena. You guys are our biggest cheerleaders and we're so, so grateful for the both of you. So happy Mother's Day once again. Now into today's episode. Before we get started, it's important to let you all know that this episode comes with a trigger warning for topics discussing suicide and mental health. Today's guest is Dr. Caitlin Vero. Caitlin is a 26-year-old researcher based in Queensland. She recently completed her PhD in pharma mental health and we were delighted to have her on the podcast to tell us what findings her research uncovered. She believes we all have an important role to play in supporting and encouraging farmers to access mental health services. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. So Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We're thrilled to have you and it's amazing to have another young leader in our presence. Firstly, we want to chat a little bit about you and your background and how you ended up doing a PhD on pharma mental health. Yeah, so I started in doing a psychology degree, but growing up, my so my dad's family were in agriculture, mm-hmm. but then my dad's generation all left the land. Yeah. But we used to go out and visit that sort of thing. So growing up, I did see that. And then when I was at uni, nothing. So there was a real disconnect there between our regions and, you know, our, the psychology aspect. Yeah. So that kind of... I, I set me off to have a bit of a look into it and th- that's where I found that you know there's some real issues you know around things like suicide so I was like okay I, I want to do something to help in this space and that's how my project was born um, you know I did a lot of reading and um, and found that the help seeking wasn't really happening so that's how I ended up look going forward looking at the factors that prevent and promote producers to seek help for their mental health both from a GP and a mental health professional. And what do you think it is about agriculture that really made you sort of say this is an industry that's worth pursuing a career in or further study in? The need there was the real need there so the rate of suicide I'm from Queensland and in Queensland it's double in primary producers compared to the rest of the stats from Queensland. So that's what kind of the real need was, I guess, what really drew me to it. Yeah. But also the fact that it's a vital industry to our country. Yeah. You know, I am a you know strong believer in you know buying Australian food and fibre. Amazing. Take a, take a step back if you don't mind, that Caitlin, and just talk to us about this decision number one to study psychology, and then obviously you've gone on to do a lot of study since. And what kept you in that sort of academic area as opposed to moving into a more practice-based approach? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think people are really interesting. They are. Um, And 
also, you know, we live in this kind of age where information is so freely available now, but we don't necessarily behave in ways that are consistent with what we know is, you know, best practice in all sorts of fields, health being one of them. So, you know, my interest... It's a little eclectic, but it certainly goes down, you know, how our work and our health intertwine and how our work impacts our health behaviours. So that's kind of what kept me in psychology. And also, so my honours research was actually eating behaviour in truck drivers. So it's, you know, that same industry and health behaviour. But I knew that I wanted to go and look at ag. I knew there was some problems by that point, but... That was a bigger project and you know when I did that reading you could see that there's a lot of stuff that we just don't know yet and that's what kept me in that academic space. I liked creating that knowledge Um, so that's why I went and you know strategizing and the thinking and you know taking that time to take that deep dive is why I stayed in the research not the um, clinical yeah so you said there's lots we don't know what what do we know or what have at least have you uncovered about pharma mental health so my as I said it's um, specifically around help seeking and it's a very complex issue so I broke it I did interviews with primary producers their partners which were wives and girlfriends and then also GPs in rural areas and it was very interesting that they all were telling a very cohesive story but from slightly different perspectives that gave a real richness to my data about that and we kind of ended up separating it into three themes which was the kind of culture behind agriculture then the health services in those areas and the in like the interaction between the service and the you know individual and then also looking at the individual and the factors around them so there was a lot more factors that prevent help seeking than that promote it which wasn't particularly surprising there's you know for example looking at the the health services space an key example of as you get more remote there's less health service providers Um, I believe it's about five per hundred thousand people in remote Australia so it's not much at all. Mm. And what other factors are uh, prohibiting the help seeking or deterring at least? Um, so kind of organised by theme, there's the, the culture and the stoicism, um, the attitudes towards help seeking, stigma comes into it. We looked at a few different types of stigma, which was very interesting because it's more nuanced, I guess, than you'd you know, is generally spoken about. Um, it was their how they prioritise their time. It was another one. Looking at the health services, it's their, um, the access and availability of those services. You know, I had people telling me it's like six-week wait to get an appointment. So, you know, that's not good. Um, then there was the um, e-mental health aspect. There was the producer's weren't necessarily wanting to use that they don't you know they felt that they didn't have the actual like digital skills to do that but also there was some like hesitation on the part of like the GPs in providing referrals to them because they don't want to refer 
a producer to something that may not be right. But it's really quite difficult to actually go in for them to get the knowledge of what that program actually does and what it looks like. Um, and then there was also um, they wanted their um, provider to provide services in a way that's quite practical. You know, they don't want to talk about their feelings. They want to get those practical skills. And that highlights a bit of a misconception because that is a big part of what, you know, psychologists do do is providing strategies to deal with, you know, our daily stresses. And then the third one was looking at the individuals. So that was their knowledge and understanding of mental health there that was stigma came in there kind of it's a bit of an overlapping one um it was their what's the other ones um their age and gender was an interesting one because everyone reported it but statistically it didn't actually come out as important um and the support that they get from particularly the partner but it has to be tactful. Yeah, um, was another one as well. So there's quite there's a lot of factors, and it is quite complex. What is the pattern that you're seeing in farmers? I think I can probably say this quite confidently, particularly in men, that isn't changing as generation growth happens in terms of mental health and the way that they think about it. No, I think it is changing, and that was a big it was something that surprised me so an example I used in my presentation was I went to a forum I was there for my research like I truly expected them to avoid me yeah but they didn't I had a guy he would have been you know in his late 60s early 70s he actually came up and was like you're doing really good work and then proceeded to you know share about his life and his stresses so I was truly shocked, but pleasantly surprised. Where was that research conducted? That, so that event was in um, Toowoomba. Yeah. And do you find that you have a lot of people that come up to you or you have kind of the special cases or what is the percentage of people that are actually confidently coming up to you and saying, you know, I really think what you're doing is great or are there a lot of sort of quiet advocators around? What's sort of the um, sort of position people are in look it i think it varies by audience some were i guess a little you know some were more standoffish but yeah i'd say i had a reasonable amount that were you know telling me how my topic was really great and they you know were really interested in finding out you know the outcomes from it so you know they know that there's issues you know i had so many people telling me of you know how their neighbor had passed away and things like that so you know they, they know it's there yeah mm. and what about so i um, mean obviously you've done the research which is amazing um what about the what recommendations come out of that like the what's next so i had a lot of recommendations that are based on that but I guess one of them is always there's always more we can know yeah so there is you know there was suggestions for you know further research but it was you know like doing it from a you know having people in the community who are producers themselves you know asking people you know are you okay if you're having you know some form of you know work meeting 
do a check-in. Things like that can be really helpful and they model what you want them to then do. So that sort of thing can be really important. You know, those community type events that encourage and teach them about, you know, things. So your main core health behaviours impact your mental well-being as well. And that's, you know, eating two serves of fruit, five serves of vegetables, getting your seven to nine hours sleep, reducing alcohol. Don't kill me. (laughs) Um, You know, that's not a popular one, but it's an important one. You know, getting that 30 minutes of exercise, finding a little bit of downtime each day those can have such a big impact on both your physical and mental health. Do you think that you will continue further studies throughout the country or is this something that is going to stay isolated to Queensland? What is the next step in terms of what you move forward and do with your research as we're in 2020? My first study was Queensland based. The um, second follow-up which was the survey was it was Australia wide it was mostly um, Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria but I did have a, there was some from WA and I believe some from Tasmania and South Australia. I didn't have any from Canberra or the Northern Territory um, so it wasn't fully Australia wide but I did have some a scattering here and there Yeah, um, I'm not planning any further study so I've graduated now um, what I really want to do now is you know kind of hit the ground running and actually get some of this stuff implemented and that's one of the key things I wanted to do here at Avocag yeah. was to meet the people so I've you know I've got the connections in the health space but I really wanted to actually get it out to the people that I'm trying to help and you know people who can link me up to you know the communities that do need the information I can give them to then make a difference. Absolutely. You know, so I guess that driven. brings us to um, your you volunteer with um, Ag Force Queensland, correct? Yeah. Do you want to talk about some of the work that you've been doing with them? Yeah. So that's a uh, research project. I um, it's kind of in conjunction with the Workforce and Safety Committee, and I'm doing a research project on attitudes towards imp- the implementation and, and or uptake and implementation of um, workplace health and safety systems. So, you know, again, looking at health and safety because it's all so intertwined and it's pretty interesting. So I'm still writing the report, (laughs) a bit late, but it's coming and there's some really interesting, like, attitudes towards that where safety is at the forefront of their mind, but they don't necessarily link safety and workplace health and safety together. So that's interesting and I... You know, I do think more might need to be done to actually then understand how to get them to make that association in their minds. If you could eliminate one negative perspective about um, rural mental health, what what do you really want to get out of your research? What do you want to really achieve? I, I want the suicide rate to be reduced. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and with that, when you say you want to implement your research, what what are you going to do? What what has a vocad helped you to be able to? So have you got sort of any development of program in place, or what's the next step from now on? So I don't want to drive the project myself. Yeah. I don't think that will lead to a successful project. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is, you know, find the people that are in the communities who they can drive the project and I will help them do that with the right information because it coming from me it's going to be meaningless it yeah. needs to be a community approach yeah absolutely and what about your experience um obviously we've got you on here today because you're a future young leader what's this experience been like for you it's been interesting 
a very steep learning curve coming from a health background, but it's been awesome. Just meeting all the new people, learning a lot of new things, of a lot of things I'm now going to have to go away and learn more about. But it's been incredible and just meeting all these lovely people who are interested in what I'm doing and, you know, were, okay, you know, who can I connect you to or what can we do to work together? I've got some really great ideas of things I'd like to do from here. Yeah. And what's been sort of the most rewarding thing for you so far, just in your career so far? Um, I... There's a, there's a lot of things that have been really rewarding. Um, one that I enjoy, I also am on the committee for a um, not-for-profit that focuses on health and um, suicide prevention, in here, actually here down in Victoria, but they do have, again, they sprinkle around Australia and it's m- mostly uh, to- targeted at men, particularly um, tradesmen, but also farmers, um, you know, rural communities through sports clubs, things like that. And they have these really cool save your bacon brekkies. And it's, you know, it focuses, they go, they have a chat and then just quiet, you know, suddenly there's resources available there for them so that they know, they find out about the mental health plan, which is a really good thing for people to know about. You, You can go to your GP and then you can get subsidised. I think they're free um, for, for some, um, if not at least subsidised um, psychology sessions. If you live in regional or remote Australia, you can also do those now by distance if you know you prefer as well. And that's something that's really important to get out there as well. It doesn't have to be as costly as you think. Do you have any um, resources for anyone listening that might be interested to learn more either about you know your work or rural mental health more generally? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, if you search my name, um, if you Google me, my work does actually come up. So I have some papers that have been published fairly recently. I'm happy. If you can't, they are behind a paywall, I believe. If you want them, though, please do get in contact with me. Um, Otherwise, there's some really great programs that are doing great work in this space. Um, In Victoria, the National Centre for Pharma Health. In New South Wales, there's the RAMP program. In Queensland, we have the TRAC program. They're a slightly different function, so they don't really do the kind of awareness stuff. They're more service provision. Um, but then you, you've got your Beyond Blue, Country Callback Line, uh, Lifeline. There's there's quite a few services out there. As, so, you know, um, what's another one? It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, it's through virtual psychologists and Aussie helpers so that you can text a psychologist if you don't want to phone them. That's, oh, that's great. a really good resource. And moving forward for your next 2020, it's really exciting. What have you got going on? What are you getting immersed in? Um, I'm, I'm looking for a lot. So I've got opportunities and I'm looking. So I'm finishing up the Ag Force project, which should be wrapped up by the end of the month. I've got a couple of other opportunities that are kind of just about to start so that's good um that's some research through industry um with health workforce type stuff yeah and then i'd like to again try and use some of the connections that i've made here to you know get out to the communities yeah awesome and for anyone who wants to be a young leader next year but maybe is from a research or psychology or not necessarily a traditional ag background what's your piece of advice that you would give them know how you add value and be confident in that 
um, you know, I, I knew I had something to offer. So I was like, look, I'll put in my application, you know, at least then I know I tried. I know I have something to offer. I'll see how it goes. And it worked pretty well. Because, you know, you ha- if you have something important to say, you know, say it with conviction. Amazing. Caitlin, thank you so much for your time. The last question we always ask is, where can people find you if they want to either learn more about you um, or follow along on your Twitter, all those sorts of things? Do you have a handle? I do. It's at Caitlin Vero. That's with a C and an I and then Vero with a V. <laughs> <laughs> it. it- people get it mistaken it'll be in our show notes <laughs> and do you have an brilliant. email at all if anyone yeah. gets to get in touch so for research stuff yeah it's just caitlin.vero at gmail.com Perfect. nice we'll and simple that. I'm on LinkedIn again awesome. same name just keep we'll it simple we'll link that all in the show notes <laughs> thank you so much for your time today it's been a pleasure no, it's been great to talk to you thank and you great work as well that's been amazing Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.